A special and very happy hello to you on this Saturday edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. The Grizzlies get a big win over the Denver Nuggets. How many players are stepping up in the absence of Dylan Brooks, Desmond Bain, and others to keep the Grizzlies afloat? And possibly the biggest game of the year so far for the Grizzlies is on tap for Sunday. How they can beat the Mavericks and get a bit of revenge. All that on today's show. Here we go on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And once again, hello, wherever you are, wherever you're listening and wherever you're watching, hope you're having an awesome start to your weekend. If you're a Grizzlies fan, it certainly was good to get back in the win column on Friday night. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SAC, the podcast wherever it's available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Odyssey app. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we will be. And make sure you listen, review, and subscribe on the podcast. And subscribe below here on YouTube. Thank you for all the support so far this season. You you subscribing lets us know you enjoy the show. Let's others be able to find the show. And just in general makes the show the best experience it can be for everybody. So obviously, we are excited once again to talk about a Grizzlies victory. Yes, we've had plenty of them over the past two months now, but it's been weird because we've lost two of our previous three, and going into Friday night, it was going to be another tough matchup for the Grizzlies, though the Nuggets on paper, there seemed to be a wide gulf when it came to, well, not necessarily a wide gulf, but a significant difference in the two teams based off the Grizzlies being significantly ahead of the Nuggets in the Western Conference playoff standings. The Grizzlies being without Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, and Tyus Jones, that took a lot of depth and a lot of solid contributions, a lot of quality play away from the Grizzlies. Meanwhile, the Nuggets, who obviously without Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. are suffering from injuries their own, they obviously had the best player that would be on either two teams in Nikola Jokic, or so we thought entering this game. Now, for much of the first half, the game was, you know, a, a pretty good matchup for, for both teams. The Grizzlies did a good job of, in the first quarter, being able to get ahead of the Nuggets, get a lead, and then in the second quarter, the bench really came on and gave the Grizzlies as much as a 12 to 14 point lead. De'Anthony Melton building off how well he played earlier in the week, building off how he played earlier against the Bucks and other teams, he was able to get going early on off the bench. He was the difference maker for the Grizzlies when the bench units played, and that made a key difference the entire night for Memphis. So De'Anthony Melton obviously made a difference, but the key in the first half, as it's always been, was John Morant. John Morant was able to score, I believe it was 23 points. It may have been 19, but I believe it was 23. John Morant, another outstanding half of basketball in the first half of the game. And the Grizzlies were able to take a big lead going into the final few minutes of the second quarter. But unfortunately, Nikola Jokic came alive. The Grizzlies did a wonderful job. Only held Nikola Jokic to two points in the first quarter. But in the second quarter, he came alive and the Nuggets were able to cut the lead to five. And of course, as the halftime statistics showed, the Grizzlies 
were shooting it very well, probably higher than they could sustain. The Nuggets had missed some open shots, and the Grizzlies were also struggling from the free throw line. It seemed like that one narrative that could come alive in the third quarter was the Nuggets being able to come back and be get into the game, and that's exactly what they did. A hot run of theirs allowed for them to take a big lead by as much as you know six, eight points in the third quarter, and then the Grizzlies were able to come back again due to the play of John Morant, just like in the second quarter when Nikola Jokic came in and led the Nuggets back, John Morant was able to come in and lead the Grizzlies back. But then going into the fourth quarter, the Grizzlies were able to maintain the lead until their starters got back into the game due to the excellent play of the bench. And overall, the Grizzlies got a 122-118 victory. And just a very, very, you know, kind of eye-opening, statistical, you know, stat line for their game where the Grizzlies got the victory. One of the things that stood out, and we'll get into the reasons why the Grizzlies were able to overcome this, the Nuggets last night had 34 assists. They had 34 assists on the game on 43 made baskets and scored 118 points. That typically is good enough to win the game. The Grizzlies had 19 assists themselves. Since 2000, since the 2000 and 2001 season, teams that have had 34 or more assists in a game, while also producing 15 or more assists than their opponent in that same game, that has happened 340 times now. Before last night's game, it had happened 339 times, and the teams with the 34-plus assists, they were 332-7. and They're now 332-8. and That just goes to show that the Grizzlies overcame a Nuggets performance that just straight forward was not that bad offensively. The Nuggets did not play horribly offensively at all. The Grizzlies, though, in a game where the refs certainly were less than ideal, they benefited from 40 overall three-point attempts. But Memphis, though, they did have a low assist total. When I asked Coach Jenkins this after the game, he mentioned the ball movement was very well, and I completely agree with him because the Grizzlies, they only took 25 three-point attempts but they made 11 of them. And the reason why was because the Grizzlies, for one of the first times in quite a while, this has been one of the few games this year where Memphis made above 50% on their catch-and-shoot three-point shots while also making better than 50% of their unassisted shots. The Grizzlies did a very good job, and the free throw showed as well, the Grizzlies were able to rely on their self-creation, on their ability in the dribble drive game to get into the lane and create scoring opportunities. And off of that, not only did they shoot well doing that, but it led to free throw attempts, 17 or 17 more than the Nuggets in last night's game. And it also allowed for them to get high percentage looks from three. Again, they didn't shoot as many as they normally do but they were able to take advantage of hitting high percentage looks. And that made the key difference in the game. The Grizzlies' ability to show their improvement overall as a team in terms of self-creation created opportunities. The Grizzlies took advantage of those opportunities in multiple ways, hitting high percentage shots close to the basket, getting to the free throw line, and hitting threes that were better looks than usual because the Grizzlies were doing so well getting in the lane. That's what helped them win the game. But, of course, the Grizzlies had their struggles. They also shot 62.5% from the free throw line on 40 attempts. The Grizzlies' free throw shooting struggles are something, in my opinion, that is becoming a bit of a concern. I know that they're winning 
a lot of games. And that's because they are a more complete team than they've been in over five years. And they're performing like it. But on that same end, the fact that they're doing this despite their struggles from three and from the free throw line shows the levels that's here with this team. And so the free throw shooting is something that you certainly hope continues to improve because it's going to play a big part in games coming up, including tomorrow night's game, which we'll get into in just a second. But obviously at the end of the day, though there are areas where the team can continue to improve as all teams can improve, one thing that always helps out, even if a team may not be playing at their best, is having John Moran on your side. 38 points, 6 assists, 5 rebounds, an outstanding effort overall. Once again, he could not be stopped. 15 of 24 from the field when it came to his shot attempts. And he absolutely made advantage, took advantage of every single opportunity that he had, being able to be the best player on the court in the first half and also the third quarter. I don't necessarily feel that John Morant is a, 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 will, will emerge as an MVP favorite this season. There still is certainly a chance. But last night showed John Morant is clearly pushing to be in the top five of the MVP conversation because he consistently, when matched up against other MVPs, is either helping the Grizzlies win, playing better than those fellow MVP candidates, or at least is making the Grizzlies competitive. Last night, I understand you can make an argument Nikola Jokic was the best player on the court, but I think that you can make as just as much of an argument that John Moran is. That's what stands out. More impactful players than Ja right now are in that MVP conversation, and for the right reasons. But one of the agendas that can certainly add fuel to John Morant entering the MVP conversation is how he performs against those other MVP candidates. And he showed it last night, and every bit of it was needed for the Grizzlies to be able to win the game. But besides Ja and the play of Jaron Jackson Jr. and DeAnthony Melton with 21 points, and nine rebounds. Another player who had his best game as a professional is Zaire Williams. And he leads what has been an effort by committee, a campaign by committee for the Grizzlies. When it comes to Grizzlies players once again stepping up this time, it's the players on the perimeter who are stepping up and delivering as some of the Grizzlies' biggest players are out right now due to injuries and COVID protocols. We'll discuss that in just a moment. But before we do, listen. It's an exciting weekend. So much going on. Soccer, hockey, the NBA, NHL, or excuse me, uh, UFC, and of course, the NFL playoffs. Right here, baby. Go Titans. But if you want to bet and wager on this weekend's activity, go to betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way for you to bet online. New and updated, improved website. Go to BetOnline via your laptop or mobile device. Put in the promo code Locked On, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, choose from whatever sport you want to. There's so many choices today to endure. Go to BetOnline.ag to make the most of it today. On Monday's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, going to have a lot of fun. So first off, we'll obviously have plenty to talk about when it comes to the recapping the Grizzlies' big matchup against the Dallas Mavericks. But we'll also discuss... A lot of success going on in the state of Tennessee right now. The Grizzlies going well, and hopefully, they'll be playing here in a bit. Hopefully, we'll also be able to discuss a little bit about the Tennessee Titans. As a matter of fact, if you make Locked on Grizzlies your first listen of the day, which you definitely should if you're listening to the show, thank you for always doing that. But after making Locked on Grizzlies your first listen of the day, check out the Locked on Titans podcast with Tyler Rowland, who is a phenomenal football mind. Check out the Locked on Titans podcast as your second listen of the day after checking out 
locked on Grizzlies. So as I mentioned, Zaire Williams has certainly been playing some good basketball since he's been back. Yes, he he's not someone who is standing out as one of the best rookies of this class. He's not someone that all of a sudden is becoming a significant difference maker or anything like that. And that's fine. It was never expected for Zaire Williams to clearly make a huge impact once he was going to be in the lineup this year. But the Grizzlies have found a way and they've been successful in doing this. They have found a way to continue taking step forwards as a franchise while also getting playing time for their top rookie, and that's Zaire Williams. And the big thing about it is, is that Zaire Williams is clearly showing improvement when it comes to his scoring ability. Now, the thing I will say is, is that one of the things that's going to come along in time is Zaire Williams' ability to contribute outside of scoring. That still is something that is a work in progress. When you look at his per 36 numbers from before he got hurt, if you look at it, you know, through the end of November, and then he got hurt and was out for all of December, except for one game where he came back and unfortunately rolled his ankle early in the game. Zaire Williams only played three minutes in the month of December. But if you look at his numbers before the end of November, and then you look at his numbers since the start of January, his numbers outside of scoring, his defensive impact has improved a little bit. So is his defensive activity. That showed us not last night a huge block late in the game. Well, and just, you know, again, showing just how he's growing defensively. That's one of the things that made last night such a fun performance to see from Zaire Williams. But overall, his scoring has certainly improved. Before November, Zaire Williams was averaging just under 10 points per 30, on a per 36-minute scale when he was playing. 10 points on a per 30, or 9.7 points on a per 36 minute scale, shooting 36% from the field, 24% from three, and 66% from the line. So obviously he was struggling. You know, anybody who says that the Grizzlies were playing one of the worst players in the NBA in Zaire Williams, that's not an insult. It was expected with where Zaire Williams was on his development track. But one of the encouraging things that really stood out was as he was out with injury. And this shows, as I had mentioned in the offseason, one of the first things that stood out about Zaire Williams was his intelligence. And I feel like that is a big thing that set him apart in the Grizzlies' mind of players that would be available at that 10th spot was the intelligence, was how quickly he could take tutelage, take information, process it, put it into his game, and it lead to improvement. Well, the Zaire Williams that we saw before his injury that Zaire Williams seems like years ago versus the Zaire Williams that we see now. Again, before the end of November, before his injury, Zaire Williams was averaging 9.7 points per 36 minutes. 36% from the field, 24% from three, 66% from the free throw line. Now, fast forward to January. Again, his outside scoring contributions are still pretty similar, but he's fouling less. He has more defensive activity, but here's the big thing. 14.4 points per 36 minutes while shooting 46% from the field, 31% from three, and 91% from the line. Yes, you'd love to see that three-point percentage be higher, but it's getting up. And he also is finding shots. His overall ability to move or create his own shot has improved instead of just being a corner three-point standalone catch-and-shoot option. Every facet of Zaire Williams' game is improving. And the fact that he did that while sitting out, that he showed the effort to improve, 
that he had the intelligence of taking what was taught to him and instantly putting it into action to improve, that is highly encouraging. As I mentioned on Twitter, last night, for me at least, was the first time I had seen Zaire Williams over an entire game show why he was a top 10 pick. And as you've heard me say on here, you've heard me say other places, I've mentioned it before. I have had a bit of a disappointment this season so far. I've had more disappointment in terms of the players that did not fall to us, like a Franz Wagner. I was wrong on Josh Giddy on a Josh Giddy, and players like that. I've been more disappointed about those players not falling to us than I have been excited about Zaire's play. Well, that's done now. Because Zaire Williams is playing very well. Again, I'm not saying he's going to make a run for an all-rookie team or that he's you know on the level of other rookies in this class. That's not what I'm saying at all. And that was never expected. But we're seeing in longer stretches, the promise that made him so attractive to the Grizzlies. And once again, it vindicates, obviously, it validates, obviously, why to trust in what the Grizzlies are doing. Because if Zaya Williams can continue to improve at this level, being that his skill set is what we need for the future and the type of player profile that he is is what this roster needs for the future, that's highly encouraging. So he has stepped up and delivered from that small forward position. He has done reasonably to quite well in Dylan Brooks' absence, starting at that small forward position. But it's not just Zaire Williams. John Conchar obviously has stepped up and shined. He's played big roles in victories so far this year. DeAnthony Melton, who many rightfully pointed out, of any player over this grisly stretch of winning now, what, 23 out of 29 games, DeAnthony Melton may be the most disappointing player over that stretch of any player who's gotten significant minutes. Now, he's been out. With COVID, he struggled offensively, what have you. Yes, he has had some disappointing stretches this season. But, and now two of his last three games, Zaire Williams has stepped up and been a scoring presence. And last night, 21 points, nine rebounds on a night where you didn't have the scoring contributions you usually got from Brandon Clark. It was DeAnthony Melton who stepped up and delivered. And he has stepped up in lineups where Dylan would normally be relied on to play a big defensive role. It's been DeAnthony Melton. Who's done that? It's been John Conchar who's done that. The big key is to know is that since Dylan Brooks went out back on January 8th, the Grizzlies have the 14th best defensive rating in the NBA. So no, the Grizzlies defense is significantly you know, worse without Dylan Brooks than they are with Dylan Brooks. That's known. But they're doing enough. Over that stretch, they've also been the 11th best offense in terms of offensive rating. This Grizzlies team is doing enough to win. Consistently. Even without one of their best players in Dylan Brooks that they've had to deal with for half a season, now they're having to deal with a lot of their perimeter depth out. You're once again getting guys stepping up on the perimeter, just like guys in the front court did when Steven Adams and others were out earlier this year. You're getting guys on the perimeter who are stepping up and standing out. And though overall the performance of the team may not be as exceptional as it was in December and early January, they're still doing enough to win, obviously, with John Morant being the engine to drive it on offense and Jaron Jackson Jr. being the engine to drive it on defense. So the Grizzlies' ability to play without Dylan Brooks and their ability to play without their best perimeter talents to support John Morant, the Grizzlies now, as we've seen them do all season long, they have evolved into a different form of themselves. They've got their cornerstone on offense in Moran. They've got their cornerstone on defense in um, Jaron Jackson Jr. 
Both players are crisscrossing and impacting the game on both ends right now. But led by those efforts, you also have the Zaire Williamses, the John Conchars, and the DeAnthony Meltons of the roster, players that have either disappointed or are now playing in big roles. Those players are stepping up and standing out. And it's just another chapter in what has been a special story this season as to why the Grizzlies not only are keeping afloat, but are succeeding despite not being able to play at the best version of themselves. And that's going to be a big difference tomorrow night when the Grizzlies welcome the Mavericks. A big game, in my opinion, one of, if not the biggest games so far for the Grizzlies. We'll discuss that in just a moment. But the thing I want to tell you is that, so listen, I always talk to you about different Grizzlies options stepping up. Well, you know, I've talked about Built Bar as well, and I've used the Grizzlies as an example for Built Bar. But the thing that I'll say is this, is that say, for instance, that your favorite flavor at Built.com was out, but you needed another option to step up. Well, there's over 18 different flavors to choose from at Built.com. But the other thing about it is all of these options are so good that if your favorite option is out of stock, just like a John Concha or a Zaire Williams stepping up if a Desmond Bain or a Dylan Brooks are out, it may not be your go-to option, but it's going to be good enough. It's going to be a good enough option to get the job done and to make your day still be successful. Because no matter what flavor of Built Bar you, you enjoy, having in the morning as a snack, in the or as breakfast, in the afternoon as a snack. And not only can you go choose from one of over 18 different flavors, whether it be your favorite or an alternate at Built.com, you go to Bill.com right now, put in the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order of Bill Bar. Make sure you check out Bill.com today and go put in the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order from Bill Bar. On Monday's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, we're going to have plenty to talk about. A recap, obviously, of the Mavericks game, again, of the Grizzlies game against the Mavericks. And then recapping, today is the final day to vote for John Morant to be in the All-Star Game. Make sure you do it. Vote John Morant All-Star Game for him to be able to be the All-Star starter. We'll obviously have instant reaction once the announcements are made, but we'll be recapping all of the latest news about John Morant seeing if he does land that coveted All-Star starter position next to Steph Curry in the Western Conference backcourt. That, the Mavericks recap and much more on Monday's edition of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. And here we go. The Grizzlies struggled a little bit as of late. The Mavericks coming up. They are getting into their best group of the season. Both teams are doing it through strong defense and obviously having a generational talent as the engine for their offense. Job for the Grizzlies, Luca for the Mavericks. And right now, it's it's a bit of a if it's a bit of a, a change in how these teams are used to doing. When you before this season, if you were to stack up Luca versus Jaw. I think the majority of people would have said that Luca had the better track record than Jaw, and that was fair. But when it comes to the team around those star players, the Grizzlies' defense was a bit better than the Dallas defense. Well, in the month of January, it's it's changed a bit. Right now, Jaw obviously is playing as the better player, but the Mavericks' defense right now is playing a bit better than the Grizzlies' defense. And of course, the reason why is because you know the Grizzlies are missing several of their key players, including. Dylan Brooks, who makes a big, a, you know, big change on that defense. When tomorrow night's game, the Grizzlies are going to need to play excellent team defense. Check all the boxes. Be opportunistic, turn defense into offense, but they're also going to have to do what they can in any way, shape, or form to contain Luka Doncic. It's as simple as that. Let someone else 
beat you besides Luka Doncic. And this Grizzlies team, I still think, is deep enough, even if Tyus, nor Desmond, nor Kyle are available tomorrow night, I still think that this defense is deep enough to where they could both contain Doncic a bit more than they did nine days ago while also limiting the Mavericks' ability to shoot the three. If the Grizzlies can do that, I feel confident that the Grizzlies' offense can outperform the Mavericks' offense. That's what it comes down to. If the Grizzlies can play to the Mavericks' recent level of defense in tomorrow night's game, I think that the Grizzlies have enough offense to get the job done. But a couple of other factors have to change and are changing from nine days ago. For one, Kristaps Porzingis is likely going to be available. That's going to make it harder to be able to convert at the rim. It's going to make there be more of an effort for the Grizzlies to be able to win on the boards. But also, the Grizzlies are going to be more energized. Let's be honest. The Grizzlies beat the Mavericks in the first half of the game two Fridays ago. In the second half of the game, they couldn't stop Luka and they couldn't hit anything. That's what made the difference in the games, and it just unfortunately was something that happens every now and then. Well, this time around, the Grizzlies are going to be more energized. This time around, the Grizzlies are going to have their full front court to be able to get key advantages on the boards and hopefully protect the rim against the Mavericks. But this time around, the Grizzlies on multiple levels, they're going to have to improve their free throw shooting. They're going to have to hit their high percentage shots from three. But if the Grizzlies can apply what they did last night to tomorrow night and actually hit their free throws, I think they'll be put in a very good position to win the game. The Mavericks offense is prone to committing turnovers. The Mavericks offense is prone to, to taking jump, ill-advised jump shots at times. If the Grizzlies can capitalize off of those things, they should be able to win. But it's going to take a team effort. The Grizzlies are going to need to put a focus on getting the possession advantage. They're going to need to put a focus on being the team that forces more, more turnovers. A big, huge key is the Grizzlies clearly having the best bench performer of either team tomorrow night. And it also would really help if John Morant could step up and be the best player on the court. But that's what's going to stand out, I think, at the Grizzlies. We can go into the technical, you know, terminologies. We can go dive deep into the stats, what have you. But these are two teams that I'm not going to say that in these examples I'm about to give, they're on the same talent levels. But there's, there's in a general sense, on a surface level sense, there's some similarities that if the Grizzlies win in terms of comparing these similarities, they easily can win the game. For one, you've got the combination of Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. Point guard-center combination, just like you've got the big man point guard combination of Luka and Kristaps. The Grizzlies have the capability of winning that battle. Win that battle. When it comes to the free throw line, hit your free throws. And when it comes to the bench, win the bench minutes. If the Grizzlies can do those three things, they'll have taken care of what they can take care of. And I think at the end of the day, even without all the players that the Grizzlies are missing right now, I still think the Grizzlies can win this game. They think they can win this game. But if the defense can play well enough to contain Luka, be opportunistic, and stop the three-point shots, but the Grizzlies can also hit their free throws and be, be focused on getting to the rim, the Mavericks do give up a lot of free throw attempts. 
if the Grizzlies can have the confidence they showed last night in terms of getting into the lane, either finding high percentage shots or getting to the line and actually hitting their free throws, that should open up a three-point enough to where the Grizzlies can have enough open shots to hit to have enough balance to win this game. John Jaron need to be the best combination. The Grizzlies need to win their bench minutes. Show the aggressiveness throughout the entire roster that you did last night and make your free throws. If the Grizzlies can do that, they should be able to not only get a big divisional win, they'll go up six up on the Mavericks and be th- to remain third in the Western Conference, but also be six ahead of the Mavericks in both the Southwest Division standings and the Western Conference standings. And they'll also avoid losing a tiebreaker to the Mavericks as well. And on the day of days where it could be announced, where John Morant is announced as the all-star starter over Luka Doncic, and with a bit of revenge in the back of Jaw's mind when Luka outplayed him, let's be honest, last Friday, it's nothing against Jaw. It was understandable. They were playing their eight game in 12 days, but you don't make excuses. Jaw doesn't make excuses. So many things, so many layers of motivation. Not that the Grizzlies need any. But the Grizzlies know what's ahead of them. They know what a win means tomorrow, and they know that they're fully capable of doing it, even if they're not at full strength. They just need to go out and execute. That's what they did last night. They can do it tomorrow night, and I think we'll enjoy the result. Thanks so much for joining us on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Don't forget to cheer for the Titans. Check out Locked on Grizzlies on YouTube at Locked on Grizz. Myself here at Stats SAC right here on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button below, and more than anything, Enjoy your weekend and cheer the Grizzlies on as they face the Mavericks tomorrow night. We'll be back with you with all the reaction from the big Grizzlies-Mavericks game, plus talking about the end result of the All-Star voting, which in my opinion is going to wind up with the Grizzlies having their second All-Star starter in franchise history and what could be and should be, what will be, the first of many All-Star starts for John Moran. Thanks so much. Hope you enjoyed this edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Cheer for the Grizzlies, cheer for the Titans and the Grizzlies, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great day.